Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. All right, welcome to the Royal Blue podcast and no celebrity guest this week, unfortunately, unless you count Gavin Buckland, who's <laughs> been walking around uh, reserves. Uh, yes, yes. You can do a cracking Cuban impression, though, so we're maybe just getting to do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, nature reserves, not naturist reserves, okay. as was uh, mentioned before the podcast. Allegedly, yeah. you, you brought up. I say we haven't got any celebrity <laughs> guests. We have got a newcomer, Kirsty McHale. Goodison season ticket holder is uh, <laughs> is making a debut today, and um, we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, you know, since we last spoke, I've said a couple of games. West Brom feels like a bit of an old hat now, but we'll uh, we'll certainly talk in and around the issues. Impressive win, and another impressive win last night. Phil four um, 0 EFL Cup made to look in the end reasonably easy. Yeah, I think the biggest thing. For me, from from the whole night was, and I'm not just saying it was it was the previous three seasons. It was probably applicable um, times under Moyes. He would, all, you know, the managers would change, make changes, and whoever we were playing at home against lower league teams, it'd always be a little bit nervy. There'd always be moments that were tense, and you were never quite comfortable. Now, last night Everton weren't great. They were functional at times, and turned it on at the end. But I don't know about everybody else, but I certainly never felt worried that there was going to be a slip-up. Bored at times from between the first goal and the second. Yeah. A bit bored because yeah. the tempo wasn't... And Koeman yeah. said it wasn't what he wanted, but never nervous. Kirsty, were you no. completely calm? No, not at all. Because I don't think they even got out of third gear, to be honest. Mm. I think if they could have, they could have turned it on and won like 5, 6, 7 nil. They had the but chances, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but even in the crowd, no one panicked. I say just got a bit bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems to be the tenure of Coombe yeah. so far. And yeah. Like, everything's quite calm. And yeah, I mean, I think compared to previous years, what I'd say about the lineup last night, there's a few players there who need game time at the moment, mm-hmm. isn't there? And a few new recruits to the club who need to sort of integrate in the club. So it's not as if in previous years we've had a pretty static squad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a case of resting a few players and, and bringing in others. But I think there's a few people that needs a bit of game time. Somebody like you know, McCarthy probably needs a little bit of confidence building so I think that explains the you know partially explains the, the lineup. to be honest with you and to be honest with you I've been a good to someone we've been bored before when you're 2-0 up and you think at the time like you know you are bored but actually when you're in retrospect it's actually not the worst feeling in the it's world nice isn't board. it like you know <laughs> I just think from what Ronald Koeman wants to have in his high tempo footballs isn't he and pressing and everything else but you're not going to get that every single game I don't think it, it's very hard to to get that across to the players in every minute of the game, it's just it's really difficult. So it's important that if you can't play well, if you can't get that tempo going, it's just a matter of getting the results and getting in there next rounds, which is the most important thing. Do you, do you think on that so though? You say you can't do it every game, but do you think he actually he expects a mindset where there's an attempt at least to do it and then play that way? Because there was a moment in the second half when McCarthy won the ball back really well on the halfway line and Cooman kind of applauded it. Now, James, he got the ball back, opened up his body, and there was space on the right-hand side. Now, the, the immediate pass is to whip it round the corner to Blassie, who was in space. Now, that's what Koeman was obviously expecting he was going to do. But James, he took a touch, and I think he might have taken another touch, and was carrying the ball. And then by, by the time he looked for the pass, the space had been closed down, and Koeman went mad at him. <laughs> so, 
I know what you say, you know, they can't be 100 miles an hour every game, but I think, I think he's trying to change the way of thinking. You know, he wants James to get that ball, turn and hit it, rather yeah. than delay and delay, as it's been with the previous manager. I can see where you're coming from there, Phil, but this is, this is the third game under Van Koeman, isn't it? Obviously, it's going to take a long time for them to get his methods across mm. the way. Listen, oh, yeah. I want first time passing. It can't always be back. And we, we've noticed straight away in James McCarthy's game straight away. The more forward passes he's done in the last three games yeah. over his last two years is dramatic, isn't mm. it? It's just unbelievable when you're, when you're looking at him. I thought he was good last night. Obviously, anyone who read the ratings that we did, my pick of the bunch, again, was Idrissa Gay. And yeah, what he was I f- incredible last night. He was incredible. Yeah. What, I, what I find bizarre, Kirsty, is that looking the way he plays, you'd think he'd spent two seasons at Southampton under Koeman because yeah. he just gets what Koeman wants him to do, doesn't he? No, definitely. Um, and as Koeman says, when he bought him... He bought him to break up the playing and because he has all the, in, uh, you know, I think Kante only had one interception done him last year. Yeah. So you can see that straight away. That's why he bought him because he just doesn't stop. Yeah, I mean, I was a bit skeptical a little bit uh, about Idrissa because the, I mean, I, I could have put. Yeah, I from Villa. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. If he was forty million from Porto, yeah, it'd be yeah, a totally exactly. different story. It was the, it was the stats thing you see because I mean. I could have played in front of Villa's defence last season and made loads of interceptions <laughs> and tackles, to be honest with you. Sure, Gav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, say, seriously, story, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think um, it reminds me of, like, it, it reminds me of when Patty Ennans got the, uh, the football year in 1976. The first thing he says when he got, got the award was, um, I'd like to congratulate the Spurs defence for giving me the opportunity <laughs> yeah, yeah. to make so many saves this season. <laughs> and I was thinking about that, thinking about what he said about what it's just a game. I felt like that. He was given so many opportunities to show, mm. you know, defensively like what he could do. That actually, if you put him in a good team, would you have or a better team? Would you have the, the, you know, the same effect? And it was quite clear, to be honest, after about twenty minutes against Spurs, that actually he made them interceptions last year, not because he was playing for Villa, but because actually he's a good player. Yeah. 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 And you know, I've seen nothing since to to to, to disagree what with I, that. On 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 Saturday, I thought he was excellent. What I like about him more than anything, so for a player in his position, he's a defensive midfielder. Offensively, he's very good. It's very rare you'll see him pass back to the centre halves. He'll go forward, and if he has to take two or three players on to put a run through or Barkley through, he will do it. That's what I do like about. It's very rare you'll see a player in his position like that. Is so good offensively, and he's exactly what Everton have needed for a long, long time. It's almost as if Koeman's instructions are, are dead basic, and it's two things: win it back and pass it forward. And that's mm. literally all he does. But I have to say, so of, effective. of all the partnerships I'm excited about in Koeman's Everton as it goes forward, it's him and Gareth Barry because I think as a pair they've got everything in in that remit of yeah. a you know a, a two, if you like, or well, you know, if he's playing three, whatever way you look at it, as a central midfield unit. One will stay, one will go, or, or or they'll get the ball and get it forward. You've got so much going for so, it. So what does that mean for James McCarthy then? He doesn't get in my team at the moment. He was good last night. There's many of them. Cleverly, Bessich. What does that tell them? They weren't necessarily first choice players all the time, but James has been a first choice player for his, his three years at Everton, yeah. hasn't he? So what did you think that? I think I think it. You know, assuming James, he wants to stay. Uh, that's a clear message that he's got to up his game. He's got to improve his quality on the ball. But, you know, if we're looking selfishly from an Evertonian point of view, if James McCarthy's your backup runner, if you like, in the two, yeah. and you're holding the field, 
exactly. You could you could be worse off, couldn't you? Is it a tribute to then to Gareth Barry that he's also like seeing off all contenders at the moment, yeah. isn't he? Really, you see even plenty of players. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's that reflection. I know uh, Ronald Koeman said this week he's the best or one of the best players he's managed, and I know the bear so. You know, said something similar, a bit more uh, hype about it. Is is, but it actually shows you that actually Roberto, though he did have a tendency to overhype. You can see where he was coming from. If if Ronald Ronald Koeman, who's let's face has managed a hell of a lot of big yeah. players at big clubs, is saying something similar, maybe not to the same extent. I mean, I think Barry last season was excellent, and in the game so far this season, he's been excellent. Been superb. Yeah. He just. Bit cliched, but he seems to be getting better as he goes along. You know, at 35, he he looks as good as ever. He looks as, as vital to everything as ever, despite all the change. You know, and all these new faces that are coming in. You wouldn't pick a team now without Barry in it, would you? Phil, players when when you interview them in the training grounds, the safest bet in the world is to get them to praise their teammates and their mates because mm. it's an easy line. But uh, so I'm not accusing you of doing that with your piece <laughs> <laughs> with Leighton Baines on the day before before I go any further Baines is one who doesn't stick to the script yes. and yeah. he's got his own mind he's articulate and yet he really wanted to, to talk to you about Gaz Bars on Monday didn't he yeah no I just I just asked him I said you know is Gareth an inspiration for somebody like him yeah. who's you know looking ahead to his next four or five years of his career and he spoke as you said, really articulately and at length and in depth and interestingly about what Gareth brings. And the, and the one that stuck out for me was when he was he was speaking about the tough moments last season when he said Gareth would always want the ball and he would always want the ball because he, he was helping another teammate mm. get out of the dirt, out of the mess, basically. And he was never afraid to get it. And, and the line that Bainesy said to me was, you were passing the ball and, and you'd be thinking, guys, you ain't getting out of this. But invariably he would, yeah. wouldn't he? Because he's that good a footballer. Kirsty, are you in the Gareth Baz fan club as oh, well? Oh, yeah, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> but you, with how old is he, 35, 36? You don't, you don't play at, that, at the highest level for that long unless you've got something about you. And as I say, managers, just, and if Koeman says it, then I think going forward it will be Gareth Barry and Gay. Yeah, I don't think, as I say, I don't think McCarthy gets in for me, which is, which is sad, but what you guys, that's what you guys do. And I know we've mentioned it before, and I'm sure we have, but. When we signed him from City on loan initially, I think Greg, you probably spoke to guys, colleagues at the Manchester end. It would just couldn't understand why yeah. City had let him go. Like right. we just they were up in arms about it, and That's now you know why, don't you? I think what what's helped him a lot is that you've got a manager who, who's, who's brought in and just a guy next to him that has helped him enormously. Because yeah. if he would have had James McCarthy alongside him after the seasons James has had. I think it would have hindered Garibaldi's performances over these two or three games. But having a lad who's up and down the pitch, covering every blaze of grass, has only helped Garibaldi in these and probably helping more in the forthcoming games. Do you know, just as a side note, we won't move off this, but what you've just said was how we used to describe James, and that's that's the shame in a way. He seems to have gone backwards. Yeah, that first season, that was he was that player, without maybe the forward vision of what we've seen from Gay. But he was getting about the pitch, he was dynamic. But there was still no forward passes. There wasn't. He, offensively, he offered you nothing. Whereas it's just a guy is the sort opposite of what James McCarthy is. Well, he's a better version, isn't he? Yeah. I, I think Gay's yeah, he's, he's a different player because James is more all around the pitch type thing. Where I think Gay's far more economical, isn't he? In and and shows a little bit more awareness of like where to to position position himself, where to to um, take the ball off opponents and. 
he, I think he's a completely different player, but I think he's exactly what we need. And we've probably not had one like that since maybe, what, Carsley perhaps would be, be one that you'd think would be Possibly, s- mate, yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, you know, would... would Great and, player. Yeah. But I think he struggled to replace Carsley for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, but I think this lad's got so even a little bit more about him because yeah. he's a bit younger. Oh, yeah. Because Lee, it's sort of 2004 5, was 30, 31, wasn't he? Mm. So, Gay's got like three, three years on that. So, I think um, I think he's enormously beneficial and you can see straight away. See, you know, the stats didn't lie last year, whatever. Um, I think he's a really good player. Going back to last night's performance, Phil, can I ask you on Romelu Lukaku's performance? <laughs> Overall, I'm glad you never asked me. Apart, and I'm not having the fitness issue yet. He's he's not fit. He's not match mm. fit. But apart from that, what did you think about his overall performance? Strikers obviously will always be judged on the goals, and he should have had at least one. You know, his finishing wasn't up to scratch. That I think that's that's obvious. Um, overall play. I think you have got a factor in a degree of not being fit. Yeah, I, I, I asked just, that question, Phil, because Coney's nowhere near match fit. And he comes on and bags two. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That's shooting, isn't it? If you talk yeah. about overall play, but it's finishing. Rom's finishing. Yeah, yeah no, as I said, his finishing was good enough. But I don't think Kone's overall play was. You would say, oh, he's miles ahead of what Rom produced. I just think Rom had one of those nights. I think he weirdly actually got better. The game went on in the last sort of twenty minutes. I think his hold-up play was better. I think he played better when Kone came on. Probably did. Bit know. more support. Yeah. And hence, you know, why we're looking to buy another striker because he needs a foil, doesn't he? He struggles. You know, there have been times last season where he, he manfully played up front by himself. I think Spurs at home might have been a game like that. Mm. But clearly at this stage, in this age of his career, he's not consistently good enough for us to go 4-5-1 away from home against one of the big boys. Right, Ron, we're lumping into you every chance we get and it'll stick. It's just, at the minute, it's not going to happen, is it? I think they're still spraying the Febreze on a pitch because he stank the gaff out. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was awful and he needs to... You know, Mino Raiola and his coterie need to look at him and think, this is a player who's got aspirations of being in the Champions League. This is a player who's just come and descended back down to earth and said, I'll give you one more season. This is a player who scores a lot of goals as well, which is why we're all pleased he is going to stay for another season. But, he needs to, you know, he needs to start and when he's fit. And, yeah, he wasn't fit. And I know what you're saying. But so. even half it, Greg, this is your Well, this is what I wrote last night. This yeah. what, I did write yeah. that last night and I agree. Yeah. But... You know, give him time, I suppose. Even though I think he hasn't bought himself a lot of grace with Evertonians, and he's not necessarily going to get a lot of time because he's not a kid in the same way that Ross Barkley isn't a kid anymore. He needs to get back to the levels. He needs to start scoring. However, Phil, we still need another striker, and from what you understand, Perez is is the man that we're looking at, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Lucas Perez, Deportivo's the we guy they've identified. Um, open secret that's, that Steve Walsh had. had extensively scouted him and his team and extensively scouted him at Leicester and the, the theory is that if Vardy had left for Arsenal and, and, and taken that offer then Perez was the man they were going to bring in to uh, to replace him you know it, it appears look I'm not going to claim that I've watched him because I haven't you know yeah. um, but on paper ticks out the boxes you know fast by all accounts left footed so if you think about that area of, of concern for us yes we've bought Balassian but he played right last night, didn't he? And, yeah. did, and can do well, did the job. So if you're thinking, if you're playing, um, you know, three three in behind Rom, maybe in that or four three three, he'll play on your left, just off Rom, and you know, running behind. And look, on paper, looks looks good. Looks looks like what we need, and hopefully they'll they'll get it done. So would you envisage? It goes back to like 
every time you sign a player, you know, like the last podcast is like, does that say about what tactics you deploy then to fit? Would you expect like, them to play by Rom or like as you say wide left and like a four three three or? Well, I, I would say his arrival would, in theory, just give you options. Options, yeah. And that's that's not a cop out to the answer. I think that's the way it would be. Options, think, you'd go. You know, look, Rom's, Rom's out of form, for example. Well, I'll just play him up front and he'll just run the channels and Belassi will run the channels and we'll have pace and we'll be counter-attacking. Over at home, right, Rom, you'll play off him, he'll be the foil, he'll dovetail, it'll be, you hold it up. No. You know, just a general point which I'd like to ask is, I mean, I still see people saying and the Perez deal might sort of, you know, ensure it sort of carries on, is... You know this marquee signing type stuff. When you look back at the end of August and you think, look at the players you brought in. Well, we weren't expecting like that type of player to to come in. Do you still think supporters' expectations is a bit more than that? Yeah. Yeah, but, because I say that at the beginning of the summer it was been like with matter and then Vito uh, obviously didn't end up leaving. But I mean, you're always going to sign people. Fan people would be disappointed that the Avanzans a big name, but I think you can see from Coleman bringing Gay in, he's got an idea of what he wants. So that's more important than a name. Yeah. Like just if if he's identified the players that he wants for his system and he gets them, then that's more important. I don't think it's any coincidence that Steve Walsh was appointed. That kind of the rumor mill has slowed down on those types of names. I think. The feeling I get is that earlier in the summer there was a there was a genuine kind of desire that we will go after this marquee name, and I think there maybe still is to a degree. But I think maybe Steve has brought a degree of realism to the table, and him and Coombe have got together and gone, well, actually, for half the price he'll do a better job because we need, as you say, Kirsty, we need something in that area, and he's proven he can do it in that area, and that's what we're going to have to go for. So I mean, like that phrase, statement of intent, is one that keeps not. So do you think that we? The statement intent we've made in the summer is bringing Cooman and Walsh in as a as a sort yeah. of duo. Is that is that is that the statement of intent? You think? Yeah, Walsh could be, <laughs> in a sense, the marquee name because, as we've said several times, he's, you know, he, he was at the Champions and he isn't anymore. And you know that was something that didn't please them. They would love to have held on to him. So in many ways, that's not necessarily the sort of thing that's going to get, perhaps, some younger fans. Go rushing out to, to buy new shirts and, and get excited and, and go and you know I don't think you can go Steve Walsh on FIFA can you? But <laughs> no, yeah. the point being, he could be more important than someone who's going to sign for a two million sign on fee, two hundred fifty grand a week, and be looking to go in you know in twelve months time. And like Kirsty, like Phil, I'm happy with that. One name who may or may not be a marquee signing, I'll ask you to, who we're still being linked with, albeit not quite with the strength of the weekend. Is Joe Hart a Man City? He might be playing tonight for City. Is it tonight? Yeah, yeah tonight. Yeah, 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 tonight. Yeah. Um, I think that, he said he's going to start. Mm. So he will be yeah. playing the against, against Bucharest. Doesn't mean he can't leave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he can't imagine if he threw five. <laughs> You're lumping on Stoyer, so yeah. <laughs> I just think the Joe Hart situation for me is one. It, it looks to me that Ronald Koeman's going to be trusting Stecklenburg to be his number one. But if you would Joe Hart be a marquee signer for Everton? Of course he will. He's coming from one of the best teams in the country. Richest clubs in the world. One of the richest clubs in the world. He's international, whether regards that he's had a bad tournament or not. Every more than likely every England player has a bad tournament. He's not the only one. 
Obviously, Joe Hart, you're looking at one of the top five goalkeepers in England. He, he, he's up there. So, uh, he'd be a marquee sign for me. Whether I think Everton are playing a, a, a cautious game with him. I think you, Joe Hart's looking at his ideas and his options here, and there's not many clubs in England that need a goalkeeper. They're looking at him, they're going, well, who, who needs a goalkeeper at the moment? So, I think Everton are well within the right to just maybe leave this until the final day. And Joe Hart is going to slightly maybe hit the panic button here and say to first team football and he's looking for and he's going to have only got Everton as the option so maybe if they leave it it looks as though the wage the wage structure at City will be totally different to what he's getting what he'll be looking for at Everton plus I've heard 7 or 8 million loan fee which is which is a bit high in my opinion as well. Wasn't that all? Wasn't that factored in as the final di- final number? Wasn't it? Wasn't that the idea that seven or eight million would be the the, the season including his wages? wages? I think yeah. so. I think. But I think when we figured that me and Phil were trying to do a rough tally, and we kind of calculated that all in all for a season, he'd cost about seven or eight million. So I think that's where that figures come from. But it's interesting that you know the media, whether it's coming from his his agency or not, are trying to suggest that um, he's got options abroad. I don't think he actually I has. Can Valencia pay the money that he's going to command wage-wise? No chance. Uh, I don't believe Dortmund can. Certainly don't believe Dortmund can. They have to sell the best players regularly because they can't pay the top wages. So, as you say, Tom, I think he looks around and his options are um, largely, unless someone's going to come and, and you know surprise everyone from, from the top four or five, Everton yeah. seems to be his best he, option. And he's going to be third choice as well by the end of next week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the, the other thing as well, I think, Allardyce has said that he, he can't play international football unless he's playing first team football in, in the Premier League or assume another top European league. So um I think by the looks of it, you know, the bridges are being burnt with Man City as well. So it looks as though we'll be you know, they will be leaving I would imagine by the end of by the end of August, which I think backs Tony's uh, opinion that, you know, to sit around and wait and for Do the you no, it's all question. Do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I think he'd be an upgrade on what we've had since certainly since Nigel Martin. But whether he's the top class keeper, that's you know some people say is. I'm not, I'm not so sure. Just this because he's had a bad tournament, Gavin. No, I just think. Yeah, that, yeah I, I think I, he's one of the best goalkeepers in England. Yeah, because he's on the. I'm not I think people isn't. are judging him on the back of a poor tournament when not many England players came out of that smell of roses. If you're judging by that tournament, you wouldn't be signing Jamie Vardy or all them players, which is it's just yeah. I, I, the question to do it is someone just says, haven't I? That I yeah. think he's he's an upgrade on what we've had since Nigel Martin, and he's obviously probably a little bit better than Nigel Martin, but but he's not. Some people, you know, maybe prior to the World Cup, so said that you know top class, world class, even he quite patently isn't, is he? Um, but he, you know, I wouldn't say my nose up. Adam, I mean, I think a loan deal appears to be the. The sort of interim measure at the yeah. moment, doesn't it? Which may be the best for both parties. Don't forget, he, he'll have a point to prove as well, not to Allardyce but to himself, but to Guardiola as well. Even if he comes on loan, he'll want to prove him wrong more than anything else. Yeah, be playing centre half only for us <laughs> <laughs> within a month, you know. Yeah. Ashley, come on. Yeah. Well, no, it yeah. says something that we're um and are over league winning goalkeeper that's England's number one. Exactly. Yeah, and absolutely. everyone's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, not yeah. sure about him, by the way. But at the same time, Stecklenburg and certainly the two Premier League games, you know, I think maybe he's at fault maybe on Saturday a little bit. I think but he was, he, yeah. um, you know, he, he does appear to have a nice habit of making match changing or point saving saves, doesn't he? But on that though, I mean, I think I think me and Greg were speaking about this. Do you are you still comfortable starting the season at least until January? Stecklenburg is your number one, 
and you back up Joel Robles because how far have we then progressed from where we were last season? Where if, if you looked at a situation where you three goalkeepers are Hart, Stecklenberg and Robles with obviously Matty Hewlett as the young keeper to try to develop, that for me is an infinitely better situation than Stecklenberg, Robles and Hewlett. I totally agree with you, Phil. I think um, Joe Hart and Stecklenberg, one and two, I'd be well pleased with that yeah. rather than just having Robles as your backup. We've seen what Robles has got to offer in the in the few years he's been here. He's had one or two good games, but the majority of them he just hasn't been good enough. And you can't rely on Stecklenburg get changes on Saturday. Yeah. You're back with Robles and Golan. Yeah. And I don't think that's good enough. And I was actually really quite concerned by what the manager said on Thursday when he was asked about the goalkeeping situation. He said, I've got three good goalkeepers. And he, off his own bat, mentioned Joel and said he'd been disappointed to have lost his spot. And then he followed that, followed that up by saying, and I want goalkeepers who effectively are ready to fight for their place and the inference was that Robles isn't now we'll have to wait and see whether anything materialises but that's, that would be a concern for me if he's got doubts of the mentality of Robles at this stage and then Stecklenburg gets injured what sort of frame of mind is Robles going to be in? Can you have three sort of potential keepers at a Premier League club. I mean, considering you only put one on the bench, I mean, the third one, it ends up like this, it's right, only at a Manchester City, you know, where... Fubin's insists on it. Yeah. I haven't asked him why, but my theory on it is, you're outfield players, you'll have five, six, seven, eight midfielders on on the training field, they're all working with each other, they're all better in each other, they're all pushing each other on. If you've only got two goalkeepers at Finch Farm, firing shots at each other with a goalie coach, you're just going to become stale. You need somebody else, don't you? Definitely. We've got some Twitter questions or observations or abuse, Tom? So. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of both. I think uh, yourself and Phil are best. To um, answer this one, it's got, this is from Gary Shaw, who says, how different from a local journal's point of view have the club gone about their business this summer compared to other windows? So have you seen any difference in this transfer window compared to the rest of the transfer windows we've had in the past? Well, yeah, obviously, you know, we haven't had a director of football in previous transfer mm. windows. We haven't had the, the funds or the access to funds that we've got. Um, and we haven't been linked with the, the same calibre of players. On the other hand, um, people who are expecting it to kind of be like an automatic change and all of a sudden start spending like Man City have had a bit of a reality check because in some ways there were flickers of the old Everton, you know, we took a while to get going. Um what I'm pleased to see is that I don't think if deals if, if deals aren't happening, I don't think it's because Everton are trying to haggle. Where at one time it seemed always the way, wasn't it, that Everton would be trying yeah. to get a price and you know we were con- continually yeah trying to offer them to pay in installments over ten years exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think those days are gone. So yeah, to answer Gary, I, I certainly well, have noticed a change. But what I would say in addition to that is it's something that hasn't changed. I think and it's the right thing is that. Although we aren't haggling perhaps in the, to the same extent, we're not suddenly just gone the other way. We're not just splashing the cash and paying yeah. anything. We're not just going, you know, bright eyed and just walking straight head first into the market. Farhad and obviously still with, with, with Bill Kenwright, we're still walking away from deals if somebody's asking for ridiculous amounts of money and et cetera, et cetera, which is which is comforting and heartening to hear, isn't it? We yeah, we, we thought, Phil, didn't we? There was a there was a few people we'd spoken to who sensed Everton might go that way. And I think it's to you know the, the decision makers' credit on the board, whether it's been influenced by Steve Walsh as well. We've avoided that pitfall, mm. but no one's making making monks out of Everton by you know getting them to pay ridiculous money um, for 
not that good players, do you know what I mean? Or taking huge risks on players from abroad just because it's a name. Yeah, I mean, financial fair play comes into that as well, doesn't it? Um, but I think like the other the other side of the coin is it's a sale of stones where in the past that could be perceived as a sort of like, let's, we need, we need it to keep financially alive or whatever. Um, it's more like a, a deal that suits all the parties involved, doesn't it? You know, so I think that's the other side of the coin, and also that we we've, we've basically said about Lukaku on face value, you know, it's not for sale and mm. things like that. So I think that it's not just a transfer outgoings; it's uh, it's it's ingoings as well, isn't it? You know, just speaking on transfers, Andrew Baker asked you: You still believe we have the money to spend? The net we've basically spent the John Stones money. That, I think that's the one Evertonians are looking at, thinking we, all we basically spent is the John Stones money recently. Well, no, they, they spent a lot of money to go and get Koeman out of Southampton. They spent a consider, considerable amount of money to get Steve Walsh. Um, and then... The Lassie yeah. Williams guy. Yeah, well, what they're saying is, I guess they're saying... I know what they're saying. They're saying they're basically, the players yeah, come in... I understand, I understand that, but I don't... I'm No way am I led to believe that they have to... We suddenly got we're back at square one and having to sell to buy. I don't think that's the case at all. But I think I think the the, the 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 link between the fact that Stones went and then the flurry of activity was due to the fact they didn't necessarily know what was going to happen with Stones. And I yeah. think you know Ashley Williams was teed up before John left. I think the interest in Lamine Kone was probably there before John left. You know Balassi was probably on the radar. I think they were just you know I understand why people have seen that, mm. but. It won't stop. It won't stop them spending more money. And as we think we mentioned last week or the week before, you know, Farhad is willing to give Cumin a significant amount of money, but he may keep his powder dry until January. You know, he won't necessarily spend it all in the next six days um, because that wouldn't be prudent. You know, we've got January. We will do business if it's necessary. Kirsten Gavkin, um, have this one thought on Tom Cleverley's future: two cameos, two at right back. Cumin's tempo should. Suit him, but it looks as though it hasn't. Case you can have that one. Do you think it's on Cleverly? Well, as I said before, there's just so many midfielders now. I don't mm. see where he fits in there anymore. Yeah. Unless he plays cover for right back, but it looks like he's shopping around for cover, actual right back cover anyway. So, I think he's ended up a bit like McCarthy. I don't see where he fits in, mm. especially the way Cumin wants to play. You think that Tom Cleverly, the way he plays, he's high pressing and he impressed the Villa when he was doing that. You think that'd suit him? But it hasn't come I think it's just questioning numbers, isn't it? And the players that have been brought in, like Balas has been brought in. As you say, this Perez comes in maybe not a, no, not the same type of player, but adds a little bit of pace and stuff. Uh, I agree that maybe there's, there's I think there's a number of place, players like that who are sort of on the periphery at the moment. So you're wondering whether you know we mentioned McCarthy already, yeah. cleverly. Lennon, perhaps is he another player who's? I mean, and also I'm a bit worried about Dale Fayou to be honest with you. But whether I mean, do you think, I, 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 do you think I, with Tom, do you think the issue with cleverly is Tony? So you mentioned that in, when you're asking the question about, he looks like he's got the engine to fit into a human yeah. team, the legs. The work ethic, you know, he understands he's had a great school in at United, you know, he knows mm. football. Do you actually think it could actually come down to his phys- a physicality thing and he's actually just not strong enough? Because if you watch Guy, he's a slender kid, but he's strong. Mm. He does not get muscled he can off take the ball. Yeah. Mm. And I just wonder, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud, I wonder whether Tom maybe hasn't quite got that, that level of strength to hold down a place in midfield. Yeah. I just think it's more to do with the fact that Koeman obviously knew. What, how he wants to play and the players he wanted 
and he, he didn't he didn't pick mm. cleverly. Yeah. He was just here when he got he here. I think it's just a simple case of he knows what he wants, and but they were just there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. they just don't fit in. Well, from Jamie Armstrong, I think this will be for Phil and Greg. Refreshing to have a manager speaking with such honesty. How have you, the media, found him in comparison to Roberto Martinez? How's you, man? He has found him. Well, you know, Gav alluded to it earlier, didn't he, in a very diplomatic manner, I have to say, when he said that um, the different kind of degrees of hyperbole which they both spoke about Gareth Barry, and it was interesting, it says all for Barry, that for Koeman, I think that is, mm. pretty much being outspoken when he said he's uh, one of the best midfielders he's coached. Um. They're clearly differences. You don't have to be a local journalist to, to sense that. And I don't want to speak, to speak for Phil, but from my point of view, they're very different men to deal with so far. Phil has dealt with Ronald a lot more than me. However, you know, Ronald is more concise, doesn't speak as much, um, tends to be a bit more straightforward in his answers, a bit less kind of politicking. I'm not sure, what am I trying to say? Politicking yeah, in his yeah. answers, it's it's a, you know he, he's not kind of filibustering just to, to make you forget your question and to confuse people. He just answers it, and it might be uncomfortable at times for people like Umar Nias and Aidan McGeady or you know, uh, and that's just the way he is. He, he's he's very blunt, and I think we've said before, haven't we, that fans, scousers, if you like, I think are going to respond better to that than they did the sort of school of Martinez, um, Brendan Rodgers kind of hogwash. Well, one thing I've, like, mm. you're here, or you're here last year, and I've heard more, like, the last couple of games, like, people would prefer it if he just came out and we hadn't played well and just said we didn't play well. Mm. Like, I think if they had the way phenomenal one more time, there might be a riot. <laughs> so, like, because Martinez would just come out and just think of the positives and I was like but the weighing on just say just say <laughs> yeah. the weighing on and so I think if you just if he comes out and says we didn't play well when we didn't play well I think they'll appreciate that is yeah. there a, sorry is there a danger of Ronald Koeman becoming too honest Phil because we he know will, that he, 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 won't, he won't change if you think he's too brazen or too blunt he, he fell he, out with a lot of Southampton players yeah, last season he won't, Mane. he won't give two hoops because he's about results you know I keep saying and people ask me and I'm happy to say He's business, yeah, and he's 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 that. That's the way he operates, and you know, from what I'm told, you know, he's been that way with the players, and the players that he basically told didn't have a future. He was blunt about it. No kind of come here, son. Look, you know, it's not worked out. It's like, you know, they don't feature in my plans. That's it. You know, tell you straight. Yeah, and he might fall out with players. He might have done already. Mm. I've not heard anything to suggest he has, but I, I actually think it's kind of. It, it sounds strange, but I actually think it's quite healthy. Because yeah. I think he's 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 the figure of authority. He's in charge. It's his way or the highway, and you know he will be judged on results, and so he has to do things that he will get results. Is it? And that's being open and honest with a footballer, and he and he upsets him. So be it. It was it was interesting last week when Tony Bellew was on the show, and he he said automatically, by the way he thinks and by what he says, Ronald Koeman, he's automatically got the respect from the players yeah, well, straight away. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah, you've scored winning goal in the European Cup winners cup final, Ajax Barcelona, you know, which is you know, yeah. that that's that's a manager or even player perhaps even we've not really had at the club, even though we are a big club. So that, that gives you gravitas, doesn't it? That gives you yeah. the way people re- respond to that. Where, where I'm more fascinated about about it is we he's personally challenged players in the through the media, which I don't think we've seen. For a while, yeah. you know, I think Manalas, De La Feu, 
he said something about James, didn't he? James McCarthy, I'm not, not sure. There's been there's been a few plays he's actually publicly come out and said you need to need to do a bit better here. And I was fascinated by that, especially quite early in his in his reign. Is that is that is that him setting out his you know, you're talking about Phil about relationships, is that him setting out his yeah. door that I'm the I'm the boss here that you listen to me and are quite prepared he's, to he's, give orders in yeah, public. If, yeah, that's, you know. yeah he's, he's obviously got standards and he, he'll, yeah. he'll hammer them home every day at training, but I think he may be wanting to reinforce that and go, you know, I'm going to tell everybody what, what's expected. So, that, so everybody in Goodison knows what to expect. And if you have, if you've fallen short of that, they'll know how I feel and they'll know, it, you'll, you know, he's not opening the doors, is he? But he's, he's offering a very honest insight into what he expects from the players. Yeah, I mean, I know don't want to cover the West Brom game, but I was fascinated by the, the substitution. Yeah, that was after after that. after thirty five minutes, because I, I was thinking that I can't ever remember seeing an Everton manager to do that. Maybe yeah. it's a, a tactical substitution in the first half. I mean, I, I've never I've never seen it. I think I think it happened. I think Moyes done it when we were getting batters off Wigan. And he took Phil Neville off in the first half in the quarter final. Did he take him off at all? Anyway, he took him off early. Regardless of, yeah. regardless of that, I mean, I know. Yeah. It was before half time. Was it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. I was fascinated by that because, as I say, notwithstanding. You know whether we check check the stats and a bit like, but you know <laughs> that that quite. I mean, and it was a bit of honesty there because he was actually saying, "I've messed up here, haven't yeah. I?" Yeah. Tactically, yeah. you know, but I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do it after thirty minutes just because it needs to do and not sort of hide it till half time. You know what I mean? Mm. And I just thought that was like a bit of an honest, yeah. an honest uh, yeah, accident. And I, and I always forever haunted by that December game at St Mary's when Roberto. Became, I think, the first ever manager in Premier League, Premier League history not to use one of his subs. Yeah. And we got battered and we were terrible. And everybody sat there going, when's he going to make a change? Yeah. And just didn't. Yeah, I think I, I was at that game. <laughs> yeah. I think there was nearly riots. It was it was incredible. And I, I think he, privately his justification was he didn't feel that there was anything on the bench to bring on. But you still would think, just try something, yeah, yeah. wouldn't you? When you're 2-3-0 down, yeah. do yeah. something. I, I, thought that, I thought that was quite a telling... Insight into into his management style on yeah. on Saturday that that decision and it came off didn't it scored just before half time exactly yeah. and that's what they were saying around you at the match yeah like because we were saying obviously McCarthy must have been upset by being the one who got brought off but it loses back to what Phil said it is not there to be the mate these days he has to get results he has to change the game if that's what he's got to do I think people appreciate him doing that like seeing him recognizing something's wrong and changing it straight away rather than wait till half time or just after the beginning of the second half. I think people appreciate that. Yeah, because if you think about if he'd have waited till half-time... We might have got him 1-0 down. Yeah, Pulis has got 15 minutes with them and said, look, he's probably going to make a change. If he does, yeah. he brings... We've only got this system. They've caught them on the hop, haven't they, for eight minutes? I get Pulis' Jimmy come out and he did say that. He said, when they brought Lukaku on, it changed us. We, could, we couldn't manoeuvre. We could, I couldn't get instructions out. Mm-hmm. Next minute, they got to go on half-time. The tails were up. And that was the end of the game. Probably the all-important goal as well. Yeah. Let's hope on Saturday, Stoke are the visitors, obviously Mark Hughes' side. Um, let's hope he gets the, the team that he wants and the right team from the start. You know, uh, But it's you know second game at Goodison uh, in the league, I should say, and a chance to consolidate in all the good work that we've seen so far. I don't think... I mean, look, the, it, you've got to take into account the opposition, but Stoke didn't really look sensational last Saturday, did they? Um 
They didn't, but they, they had a nice win, yeah, a comfortable win yeah, um, last night, didn't they, in the cup? Yeah, Same as ourselves. It's going to be a tough match, isn't it? Obviously, the optimism's going to be going right round Goodison Park at the moment. We owed them one after last season, yeah. didn't they? In the fashion yeah. that they, they turned us over right at the end. It was really, it was, it was heartbreaking the way we got beat last season. So we do owe them one on the course of that. But I think the way Evan are playing, I've got nothing to fear from the Stoke City team at all at the moment. And I really I, I fancy us to, um, to beat them. Would you start with Lukaku? Judging by last night, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, it, he just doesn't look fit at all. He's blowing. There was a moment in the second half where he had a yard. I think he was clean through one goal and he had a yard on the Oval Town defender. And within the space of a split second, the defender had got back. Yeah. And he, the one and one had gone. You're thinking, if you're blowing up your backside against the Oval Town, lad, you, you know where near fit. I suppose the good side of that is that he's got today, he's had today, Thursday and Friday to really put in the hard yards and training and he might be all the better for having that difficult evening yesterday. Phil, what, I mean, what's your thoughts on the Stoke game? Yeah, I, I agree with Tony. Obviously, when we went to the Britannia, it was one of the best performances of last season. Yeah. But obviously, the home game is another one that, that still rankles. You know, it's, it was the best and worst of Roberto's Everson, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That period when we fired back. When we think we were 2-1 down, weren't we? Yeah, at yeah that's right. Fired back. Rom scored that brilliant goal where he chested it down on the, on the turn and finished. Yeah. Jerry scored. And you, the place was alive. And you're like, this is great fussy. This is tempo, yeah. all-out attack. They're not going to live with us. And then the other side of Everton, soft centre, all that business. I think it sums up Roberto Martin. Yeah, it did, really. Everton, really. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. a nutshell, in, a, in that kind of 45 minutes, yeah. we saw everything, didn't we? Um, I hope that this time we can keep Shakiri quiet. I think he had the, he, he ran a bit of a mock, didn't he, in the first yeah. half? Yeah. Um, he doesn't be in that goal. Do you not think that? No. I think he did. I don't think he does. I think it's important that if we can get the win on Saturday, that gives us seven points going into the international break. You're unbeaten. Yeah. The optimism, you're going into transfers advantage. Yeah. Like, I still maintain that we're in a mini season within the season because this is the fact we've still got three or four days after the Stoke game for the window to get the squad as best as he can in place. So I still think it's a work in progress and it will be for a little bit. So. I don't, I don't think anybody should hit the panic button if we got beat on Saturday, but I agree with you. I think on the flip side, a victory really sets us up because, as you say, we've got Sunderland, Borough and Palace, Palace. Yeah. Palace. before we have to face City, I think it's the yeah. first real... Bournemouth away as well. Isn't there you go. So uh, you're right in saying that it would help momentum, especially with, with the break coming up. Does Ashley Williams start, Phil, do you reckon? Good question. What do you play? I don't know... I think he'll go, well, you see a home to Stoke, do you go three at the back? I've liked it so see, far. the thing is, though, yeah. if you think about Stoke City... No, God, well. no I, I don't think he do. Not against Stoke, no. I, I think, I think, because that's the mistake he made against West Brom, wasn't it? The three at the back. Uh, it's not so much the three at the back, it's the four you play in midfield mm. was, is the key. And against Tottenham, because you had, like, basically three defensive-ish midfielders and, and Baines, and you know that Spurs are going to come on to you, so he kept, kept our seat. I think that's why we look mm. defensively sound, because we basically mm. had like best parts of seven defenders on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. But you know that you had space then, because Spurs will push up to, to, to play the ball in for the, the three front lads to play, play into. He tried that against West Brom, and obviously it didn't work, because the Pulis team are just going to sit back, aren't they? Especially after the even scored. At home. Even at oh, home. Yeah. So the first half, I don't know about what it seemed like at the match, the only like offensive thing we appeared to do was like dink a little ball in over the back for for Dale Fayou to yeah. to run on every time. I don't know. 
you thought, but just Gareth McCoy, it just like it just buys them out the way yeah. Yeah. a lot of the time. And I can't see having changed it against West Brom. I think Stoke will probably maybe play sort of halfway between West mm. Brom and Spurs. Mm. And but being at home, I can't see three at the back working unless unless you may you change the four in front where you don't have like McCarthy. Okay, um, a bit more of body, right uh, yeah, I think if we had Coleman fit, we'd possibly well, yeah, well, play. You could play Balassi, couldn't you? Mm. And, and still play or play Balassi and have three, three or fronts or mix it around a bit. I mean, the other one that we've not mentioned is Holgate. Who, He's been you know, so you know. So I, I, I think maybe for, I, I can still maybe the shape being like they did against West Brom. I only finished that game. Who you play up top though is a is what Tony was saying is whether you, he has mentioned Balassi in the past as being somebody I'd, I'd go, I'd go for him in that respect then I'd play Rom as your striker Balassi one side Morales you the Rossing behind him yeah. and I'd say run at them just yeah. run at them it's like be like last season then Phil oh no we've got Idris again just just nothing who should be captain then is that, what's the word on the captaincy at the moment is it, is I think Jax is still captain, still captain I think, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't think that'll change. And then Gareth Barry, vice captain, is in. Then, then it'll be Ross Baza, Baines, won't it? Yeah. I think. Right. I think it was just uh, for the night for Ross. To be honest, for the time being, anyway. So we're gonna go for big, big predictions, and then it's not... yeah. It's been a while. Predictions, shall we? Why not? I think Phil got it right last last week, so we can. Did, uh, did he did say one all Tottenham. Yeah, no, that was me. Was I that did. you guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You can't give you anything. I, 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 I did. I, that's one stat I've got right today, Dad. No, no. I, was, I was the fountain of optimism. I said nil-nil. Yeah. 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 I said 2-1 Everton, but go ahead, Gav, see that you got it right no. last, last week. No, you can have first time. No, I, that, that's the first time I've ever got it right on the podcast ever. <laughs> like, you know, and you know when, when it was one all, there's a few close saves at the end. I was playing that Tottenham game the score. I thought I'd get 2-1. The fact that it would preserve me, prediction, you know what I mean? So now I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0 win to the Mighty Blues on there. Nice. Yeah, Greg, I think we'll win 2-0. I'm uh, full of the joys of. I think Koeman is, uh, yeah, yeah, the real deal. Kirsten? I was going to say 2-0. You two can still say it. I'll three. say 2-0 then. Phil? <laughs> <laughs> um, 2-1. I'll agree with Phil. I think Everton will win by two goals to one. You think we'll just, just take, take a while it. to shake off that conceding habit? Definitely. Well, we'll see. Thanks very much for listening. We're going to try and um, bring you some thoughts after the games this season. We don't quite know how it's going to work yet, but maybe get do a short podcast uh, nearer to the finish of the game. Uh, before we kick on in the week. We've got some other guests as well lined up, but thank you very much for listening and keep in touch.